Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello, and welcome to the Around the 12 podcast. My name is Tanner Price, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Hockert. Greg, I just made a goof before we started recording and did an intro for another podcast that I'm not even a part of, that I just listen to once a week. But uh, how, Greg, how did you feel about uh, this bowl season? I know it's not over. We still have the national championship game ahead of us, but for the Big 12, it is over. It was a pretty successful bowl season for the Big 12, and and uh, it was a successful bowl season for me. Uh, Tanner, I am. Uh, I know that you really haven't been paying attention to our bowl pick'em group because you your entry somehow didn't get submitted. Um, but I am in the 99.7 percentile of all entries in uh, ESPN's Capital One Bowl Mania, so I'm feeling very very proud of myself and and pretty pretty good about that. I'm a little bit mad because I was in the 99.9 percentile. I was up to like rank 700, which nothing like that's ever happened to me before. I mean, there's probably millions of entries and I'm in the top 1000. And then I had Texas and I had Alabama. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know how that turned out um, and that those two picks were wrong. So down, you know, all the way down to, to somewhere in the 2000 range. But hey, I'll take it. I'm going to take Washington just for the just for the upset, just for the vibes, and hope that if they win, it'll shoot me back up to the top 1,000. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I was uh, a little annoyed when I found out that my picks didn't submit, but it is what it is. Probably user error on my part. Um, but yeah, I also I probably would not have done as well as <laughs> as well as you have, but I definitely also would have had uh, Texas and Alabama in their bowl games, which we will we will get to that. Um, Greg. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here, man, but I think that we should share a little something that we have been discussing behind the scenes with our listeners. Um, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you the floor. Oh, man, you just put me on the spot like that. I'm sorry. Well, uh, this will be my my last uh, my last uh, reoccurring episode, I guess you could say, hopefully. Hopefully Tanner's gracious enough to have me back on every once in a while. Um, but this will be my my last episode of uh, the the official Around the 12 podcast. Um, you know, not didn't really have anything prepared. So uh, feel feel you put me a little bit on the spot, but I, I will it's say, all good. you know, it's, it's, all it's been it's been uh it's it's been a lot of fun, you know, and obviously I think my uh, the Big 12 and, and Big 12 football in particular, but but even even basketball as well has always been something I, I've followed my whole life, and so to be able to talk about it has been has been a lot of fun, and um, you know other other life um, you know things come up, and and you know just with a full time job and uh and and being a homeowner and, and tanner's got all these things too but he's he's a machine and he can just crank this stuff out and i'm over here like man 
I don't know if I can do all this. So this will be my last official uh, episode, but hopefully, hopefully I can, I can come back every, every once in a while in, in the future and um, give my opinions that, that probably no one really, really cares about, but, but myself. So. <laughs> oh, Greg, no doubt that you will be welcomed on whenever you want to come on. It's an open door, but um, yeah, just, I, I, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but just saying it publicly, I guess, and I don't want it to sound like we have a bromance, but we kind of do. Um, but yeah, I've, I've greatly appreciated doing this podcast with you and it's been a lot of fun over the last almost year and a half now of doing this. And it's, yeah, I am, I fully support you and yeah, that's, that's about it. But the show will go on. Nobody worry. Our, our 25 listeners, <laughs> <laughs> the show will go on. Um, it's really we'll, funny. Cause I, I really haven't told, like, I, I, I know, like we have a handful, you know, of, of friends that consistently listen. I, I know, I'm sure that we have some, you know, some other, some other one-offs out there. Uh, but I, I, you know, I only know of a handful of friends uh, that, that are consistent listeners. I, I don't think I've told them <laughs> that, uh, I will no longer be doing it. So it's really funny. I'm going to see, uh, I'm going to see how many of them are true listeners. <laughs> if they text me in the next couple of days, I'll know that they're true listeners. Oh yeah. But um, yeah. So the show will go on, but Greg, I, I already have some ideas for when, when I want Greg to come back on specifically uh, <laughs> preseason pickings, I guess we'll, Maybe we can do that mid-season, post-season, all that good stuff. Also, I'd love to love to have you on for some some basketball talk because we can definitely we can definitely do that for hours on end. But you want me to bring back my my bubble watch, <laughs> bubble watch, uh, uh, bracketology with Greg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But no, man. yeah, so I. I'm I'm happy that you made the decision that you made because, um, yeah, life happens and no, and everybody just so you know, Greg and I are going to be making even more phone calls with each other outside of this podcast. So if you hear me, if you hear me mention Greg said this, then you know you know that we we have been discussing sports. It's a, it's a it's a direct quote. Yep. Yep. It will be a direct quote, direct quote, but Greg, I think we should, uh, we should start talking about these bowl games. We got eight games to cover tonight. Uh, it might be a little bit of a longer podcast, but that's all right. You know, the end of the football season, I'll start talking a little bit of basketball, but nothing, nothing crazy. Um, Greg, I do want to mention, I want to give a shout out to Baylor though. They actually downsized their basketball arena. And tonight is the opening night of their new arena, and it it the way it looks at least it kind of reminds me of Gallagher Iba how the fans are on top the like the stadium doesn't go outward it goes more upward and it, it just looks like it's going to be a great atmosphere they downsized which for crowd noise and fan interaction is going to be much better than it previously was so I'm just really excited to see what this atmosphere is like. I think it'll be really cool. It's striking how like vertical the uh, arena goes. And I remember driving because, I mean, those of you that aren't familiar with Baylor, like their athletic facilities 
uh, like their football stadium and now this new basketball arena, they're literally right off of the interstate. So you don't have to exit. It, it's funny when you're driving south on Interstate 35, it literally looks like you're going to drive straight into McLean Stadium. And then it kind of like curves off the side and goes over the the Brazos River. But uh, the, the their new basketball arena is is right, you know, adjacent, just on the other side of the highway to um, to McLean Stadium. And I saw them building it. And I mean, it it looked really nice um, <laughs> when I drove by and then I saw a picture of it and I was like, holy crap. Like and it kind of is striking when you see the number of it's like, you know, max capacity 7000. But then you think about it and it's like. That's kind of like college basketball's ideal number. Like you don't need, unless you're Duke or Kansas or Kentucky, like you don't need a a, a 15,000 seat arena. You just don't. And so I think Baylor's got it right. And they may be even ahead of the curve in that like as certain arenas, certain basketball gyms, as as they grow old, older, and schools look to maybe – you know, and invest in a new arena, I could see a lot more schools following Baylor's strategy of like downs, like, 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 you know, quality, not quantity like that, that strategy, I think is a really good one. Yeah. And, and honestly, Greg, you and I have seen this firsthand with Gallagher Iba arena. It's, it's up to what, a little over 13,000, 13,400 and change, something like that. And even on the on the biggest games, uh, when we were there, it it never really filled up. Just be it is it's just a large arena, and being in Stillwater, Oklahoma, an hour from Tulsa, an hour from Oklahoma City, two hours from Wichita, like it's tough to get thirteen thousand people in for a basketball game. Now for football, completely different, obviously. Um, but yeah, Gallagher Iba was never one hundred percent sold out while we were there, and so I think that this is a great way for arenas to be completely sold out and also have just an incredible atmosphere. And I, and also on the other hand, for um, the universities, the the prices of the tickets will go up because you have less seats. Yeah. Simple supply and demand economics, right? Econ the, 101, you know, just breaking down economics. That's exactly <laughs> what I expected we would do today. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's difficult. I mean, college basketball is in a, in a, you know, peculiar situation where it's kind of declining in popularity, um, except for March Madness. Like they have this one great product in March Madness, but it occurs, you know, if, if we're only counting the first weekend, which is what most people care about, it, it it's four days out of the year. And as Tanner, as you know, basketball season is so long and it, and, and nobody, essentially nobody has been paying attention to basketball for the last, it's been going on for two months now and no one's really been paying uh, attention. Um, I can't say nobody, but most people have not been paying too much attention. And so it's difficult when you have, you know, a 13,000 seat arena and you're playing, you know, I, I, I don't know, Chicago state is I think who Oklahoma state's playing next <laughs> or just played on a Wednesday night. It's like, who's going to drive, you know, an hour, you know, to go see a 7 p.m. game. And so to to decrease your capacity, hopefully, like, allow the students to to, to maintain their, their, you know, allocation of seats, would I think will be good. Yep, absolutely. Okay. 
Um, that'll be it for basketball this week. But, Greg, let's go ahead and start talking about some of these bowl games we have. So we'll start with the uh, Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Um, this this game did not go the way that I thought it would. Georgia Tech beat UCF 30-17. to And the strength that we thought UCF would have over Georgia Tech did not come to be. We really thought that um, <clears throat> UCF would be able to throw and run all over uh, Georgia Tech, but it was actually the opposite. Georgia Tech ran for 284 yards and two touchdowns. That was shocking. And on top of that, UCF was held scoreless in the second half. So just kind of all-around bad day uh, for UCF. Yeah, it's really not a good look. I mean, this uh, this is not really a bowl game. I, I felt like UCF should have lost. You kind of look at the the greater landscape of the bowl games and how each conference performed. And the Big 12, I would say, had a solid uh, a solid bowl, bowl you know showing bowl season performance. No, good, not great. Um, if if we want to you know cheat a little and take out OU and Texas, then I would argue that we had a pretty great bowl performance. Um, but the and ACC, add Arizona. Yeah, at Arizona, thank you. But no, no need to add Utah or anything like that. Losing a Northwestern, um, but the ACC had a pretty, had a pretty poor uh, bowl performance. I, most of their teams underperformed, um, and and we'll get to we'll actually get to one or two of those games as well because um, the Big Twelve teams were beneficiaries of that, uh, but not in this case. UCF kind of screwed it up, and um, I mean. They've struggled to defend the run, you know, for a good chunk of the year, but got a lot better, I believe, at the end of the year. And so this is kind of a surprising, a little bit of a surprising turn. And um, I don't know, it's a program that felt like it had a lot of momentum with beating Oklahoma State, taking Texas Tech down to the wire and and, and, and then beating Houston to end the year was, was you know, felt, uh, felt like a, a solid way to end. But this... This kind of, you know, ruins that, I feel like. Yes, but uh, we'll just go ahead and talk about this right just really quick. Uh, UCF pulled in a great addition from the transfer portal this weekend as as former Arkansas quarterback K.J. Jefferson uh, committed to UCF. So he, I believe he'll have one more year, um, but that's that's a great pull from the transfer portal for UCF. I don't know. You really think so? I think I feel like he's I kind of he, trash. <laughs> no, I feel like he fits. I feel like he fits their play style. Uh, pretty similar to John Reese Plumley, maybe a little bit more on the run side than on the than on the passing side. But we'll see what happens next year. I I like it. I like the pickup. I think um, they've got some studs at receiver, and I'm not quite sure KJ Jefferson will be able to maximize their their talent and their ability, but running game wise, I mean, they could just go to a full on Kansas triple option offense. I think that'd be really hard to stop. Which let's go ahead and talk about Kansas as you just mentioned them. So Kansas faced off against UNLV in the guaranteed rate bowl. Um, and gosh, Greg, you, you said uh, triple option. Well, Kansas did not run a triple option in their bowl game against UNLV. They ended up winning 49 to 36, but Jason Bean goes for 450 passing yards and six touchdowns and three interceptions, but we don't really have to talk about that because they won the dang game, you know? Um, but six touchdowns is absolutely insane. Yeah, they. I mean, they let him sling it, uh, which good for him. You know, I'm assuming 
It's got to be his last game, right? I mean, my gosh, this guy. Yeah, he's been in college since 2018. For sure his last game. So, um, <laughs> yeah, good good for him. Glad they were able to go out with a win. I don't think this is really the year Kansas uh, expected in the sense of how it went. But if you show them a 9-4 and four record at the end of the year, I think every Kansas fan takes that. You know, and a bowl win. Yeah, last year going six and seven felt like a massive success, and you improved that by three wins. I mean, and I don't mean to get too too ahead of my skis here, but you've got a lot of talent coming back. Both both running backs, Devin Neal and I believe Daniel Highshaw, but I know for sure Devin Neal. You get Jason Bean. Um, you mean Jalen co- Daniels? Or yeah, sorry, did I say <laughs> you're good? I said Jason Bean, Jaden Daniels. <laughs> And then um, Kobe Bryant in, in the secondary. Um, yeah, it, it, Kansas Kansas could be could be a team to beat next year, but um, I don't know. Daniels will have to stay healthy because that dude that dude is so injury prone, and I don't know who they're gonna they're not gonna have Jason Bean rolling out there back up anymore. That's for sure. They will not. But I'm sure that they'll either pick up somebody in the portal that's a decent backup, or uh, I'm not sure what their uh, other backup quarterback situation looks like right now, but. You would think that they would be able to pull somebody in the portal, especially or out of high school, especially with their current trajectory trending up. Um, Greg, let's go ahead and talk about a team who does more with less and then a team that does less with more. Uh, I'm specifically speaking of the Tax Act Texas Bowl between Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. So let me get this straight. You pay a coach seventy five million dollars just to go away and you pay another coach $7 million a year. And he just completed his third 10 win season in the last 10 years. Whereas Texas A&M has had two 10 win seasons in the last 25 years. Um, pretty, pretty impressive what Mike Gundy is able to do at Oklahoma state year in and year out. Um, but Oklahoma state wins this game 30, 31 to 23, despite, um, Kind of an average game from Alan Bowman, I would I would say. Maybe maybe you might beg to differ. Uh, Alan Bowman goes for a little over 400 yards passing, two touchdowns, and two interceptions as well. I think he had a really good game minus two throws, um, one of which was just downright stupid. The other one, I, I, I kind of saw what was going on. Um, um, it was inexcusable. Not... No interception really is excusable, but it's one that you could potentially live with. The other one was just was just a bad throw and is going to just look, make the box score look terrible. But outside of those two throws, I thought he played a really good game. He threw for 400 yards, two touchdowns, like you mentioned, um, and and kind of had to because A&M was really keying uh, on Ollie Gordon and Oklahoma State's run game. And, and that's pretty much what they've seen the entire second half of this year since Ollie Gordon has kind of broke uh, into the spotlight, um, you know, runs for – Runs for almost 300 yards back-to-back weeks against Cincinnati and or West Virginia and Cincinnati, and then and pretty much everyone just started putting seven or eight guys in the box, and so um, it really allowed Bowman to uh, to to sling it around a little bit, and he found you know Rashad Owens had 164 yards, two touchdowns, and then Brennan Presley had 16 catches, which tied a, a school record for catches in a game. Um, so. Really, really a good game for for um, Bowman, Owens, Presley, and then Ollie Gordon not really having the maybe the the production. I mean, he still had 118 yards and a touchdown, 
but not really having the the long breaking runs that that we were kind of accustomed to seeing but being more of that workhorse back that can break down the defense and then allow just understand like hey I'm the guy that everyone's going to be looking at like let's throw it around a little bit because we've got numbers outside so um and Tanner for me as an Oklahoma State fan and you every single one of those guys I just mentioned um well we'll see about Alan Bowman but um all, all, you know, the other three of those guys that I just mentioned are all coming back next year for Oklahoma State. So um, another, hopefully another team to to look forward to. Also, I have to mention, um, was very confused when Gunnar Gundy came in and then all of a sudden <laughs> dude's running a quarterback draw. And it's funny because when when I noticed he, by the time it, it registered in my head that Gunnar Gundy was in the game was about a second and a half before the snap. And I said it like as they were snapping the ball, like, it's going to be a quarterback draw. Like there's no way it was anything, anything different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not. You, we all knew he was going to run it. It was interesting to me. We don't have to get into this conversation right now. It was interesting to me that Gundy coach Gundy, coach Mike Gundy allowed his son who is in the transfer portal to play in the bowl game. Whereas after, what happened last year, maybe he changed his mind, but he did not allow um, Spencer Sanders to come back and play in the bowl game after he had reportedly, allegedly asked to come back and play in the bowl I, game. I, so. will, I will say in, in Coach Gundy's defense, Gunner practiced with the team all bowl prep. So that 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 would be the that would be the key difference. And now I'm not sure about some of the other transfers um, that that he he may or may not have let play in bowl games in, in the last couple of years with the portal and stuff like that. But um, I I know for a fact that Gunner did practice all 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 of bowl season, um, and then it probably does help a little bit too that I'm sure that he sat down and had a very intentional conversation with his dad, who's also the head coach. <laughs> And it probably just like clicked more in Coach Gundy's head um, than than it would for any other player. That's so. that's a good point. That makes sense. And maybe that changed his mind for future transfers. Um, just just something to think about. Um, all right, Greg, let's go ahead and talk about when Neil Brown got a bunch of mayonnaise poured on him in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. West Virginia ends up winning this game over North Carolina, thirty to ten, in. What I don't think was a super shocking victory when Drake May decided that he wasn't going to, he opted out of the bowl game to declare. For, I don't, has he declared for the draft? I believe he has. Yeah. Um, he has. When he, when he opted out of this game, I, I figured that West Virginia would win this one, but they, they won it handedly um, only allowing 10 points and then securing two, two interceptions from Connor Harrell, who was North Carolina's starting quarterback in this game, but very, very impressive on West Virginia's part. Yeah, it, it was, and, and I think maybe the more impressive part of this game was their defense. Um, they forced a couple of um, really big turnovers. The one in particular was, um, I forget the guy's name, but the, the one-handed interception um, that one of their I believe he was a defensive end, but the way he caught it made it look like he was like a safety. It was it was nuts. Um, but then on offense, Garrett Green kind of had a fairly typical Garrett Green game. His completion percentage is exactly at 50, but he still manages to throw for over 200 yards and a touchdown and then you runs for this, 64 yards as well. This really reminded me of uh, maybe 
Maybe I'll start like a Blake Shapen player of the week. <laughs> Guy who just had a very average game but was able to to, to pull out a win. But yeah, not, he didn't do anything wrong. No turnovers, um, no fumbles, nothing really. So so very, very solid game from Garrett Green. All right, Greg, let's go ahead and talk about the first ranked matchup. So, yes, I know Oklahoma State was ranked, but Texas A&M was not. Um, this was between NC State and Kansas State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, which, honestly, I just want to give a round of applause to the Pop-Tarts ad crew because they just lit the Internet on fire with the pop tart memes it was it was just absolutely incredible it's kind of um, how you it's kind of how you make bull season relevant again exactly exactly but the good guys pulled out a win kansas state wins 28 to 19 um greg i actually was not able to watch this one i'm not sure if you were either but if i'm being a box score merchant what it looks like avery johnson Pretty average day passing, 178 yards, two touchdowns, but 257 yards of rushing. And then uh, Kansas State's defense very much held their ground, um, only giving up 164 yards of passing. They did give up 235 yards of rushing, um, but only holding a team who was in their conference championship game to 19 points. Very solid showing from Kansas State. Yeah, especially a team that had their starting quarterback, too, with Brendan Armstrong at NC State. Um, and kind of what I alluded to earlier with UCF's loss being disappointing is that you have two ACC teams with North Carolina and NC State both both getting beat. Uh, North Carolina pretty much getting trounced. And then NC State was was in the game um, for, for a good while, but Kansas State and their defense was really just able to uh, lock it down and, and come away with the win. But I, I don't know. It's kind of I think I think Avery Johnson will get he'll, he will get better. Um, I don't think you'll see a completion percentage like that often from him. But you kind of saw what the offense is going to look like. I mean, it is going to be it's still going to be run heavy. You have DJ Giddens. I believe he's coming back. You have Avery, Avery Johnson, who is a dual threat quarterback. You're Kansas State's going to look like the Kansas State of old with. Avery Johnson um, and kind of Will Howard could run, but he he was definitely more he was more of a throw first run second kind of guy besides the design runs. Whereas Avery Johnson, I feel like is very 50 50 and and they want to get him in space. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what their offense looks like next year. Um, But their defense, after losing a couple of guys to the portal, a couple of key players, Looked really good, so there's there's definitely room for optimism um, for for Kansas State. Absolutely, I I really liked how they how they played in this game, especially um, like you mentioned, Greg, with how many guys have entered the portal recently. It was good to see them pull out a win, and I wouldn't say dominating, but definitely a, a solid victory in the now famous Pop Tarts Bowl. <laughs> All right, Greg, let's let's go ahead and talk about a I'll say it former Big 12 team versus a new Big 12 team um in the Valero Alamo Bowl we had number 14 Arizona versus number 12 OU this game so typically you don't think of football as a game of runs that's typically what people call basketball um but this game was definitely a game of runs you have you have Arizona scoring the first 13 points 
unanswered. Then OU goes and scores 24 unanswered points. So midway through the third quarter, the score is 24-13. And then Arizona goes for another, what is that? Well, 25 points straight. So you have 13, then 24, then 25. And Arizona pulls out a nice victory, 38-24, to against OU. Greg, I will allow you one hot take in this in this episode what um if you're not thinking the same way that i'm thinking um then you can tell me but i think we both would have the same hot take coming out of this game i don't i don't know you you fill fill me in on yours I'll, i'll let you know if i agree or not i don't know if i have any flaming hot takes coming out of this game i know he threw for 361 yards but he also threw for three decently bad interceptions and i don't think that jackson arnold is going to be the guy for OU moving forward. That's a pretty hot take because I don't know who else would be playing quarterback for them. <laughs> um, well, when I say the guy, I mean like, uh, I don't know, a Dylan Gabriel. Obviously, they're not going to have anybody Baker, Kyler, or Jalen Hurts-esque, but I don't think he's going to be up to that standard. I think that they're going to need to give him time and allow him to grow and get more comfortable playing and then play playing with this offense because you can see the, the 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 talent and the potential but I just I mean Arizona's a good football team um and and they have a good defense but he's going to be playing a different level week in and week out next next year in the SEC just just being completely honest um and and it's been evident in these bowl games even in even with some of the opt-outs the SEC and some of their def- some of their just defensive linemen they're just massive dudes um and so it'll it'll be a different level of competition and I I, I will say after watching this game I, I don't want to come to any drastic conclusions but I'm you know, if you if you told me OU over under, you know, eight and a half wins next year, seven and a half wins, like I'm I'm looking, I'm thinking, and they'll be in the seven or eight range. Um, but I will say to, to the only caveat to this is that I mean their whole offensive line has basically entered the portal, and so you're playing with a makeshift offensive line in a bowl game that, you know. Arizona has not had a lot of success recently in football. And so they're a little bit more pumped to be there than you are. Uh, and then you, you just, you have a makeshift offensive line. So obviously they need to get that figured out for next year. And I, and I think that they will. Um, but I mentioned SEC defensive lines. They're, they're no joke. So this is a, uh, it's a problem for OU, but I wouldn't say that there's any reason to like hit the panic button yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give you that. Um, I do have one hot take. Okay. From this game. Arizona's turnover celebration is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. It is by far the dumbest turnover. So you like the chain, the, you know, I've like Ole Miss is, um, Ole Miss has some crazy stuff. This is by far the dumbest one. They, their equipment staff orders footballs of the opposing teams. So they have OU footballs on the sideline, like a legitimate football with like the OU logo <laughs> and they stab it on a stick and it breaks it. Like the football's destroyed. It's like, you, you know, you're probably sitting there like, Oh, like, well, like, that's not bad. Why is that stupid? Their university is millions of dollars in debt. And this football team on national television 
are stabbing $150 footballs on sticks, and Tanner, oh, you turned it over six times. And somehow they magically had enough footballs for all six of those times. So it makes you think if they did this all year, and they did, and they had enough footballs for OU and the six turnovers they forced against them, they had to have had at least six footballs for every other team. They played in 13 games. That's at least 78 footballs. If you're saying the football costs about $150, that's almost $12,000. And I know that that's not going to pick up your your university's debt and and the fact that you're, you know, your your president and your finance department completely goofed on the budget, but you're basically throwing away thousands of dollars worth of footballs on national television just to celebrate a turnover. I think it's ridiculous and the finance part of me just I love it. absolutely hates it. I love it. Greg, I know that that's that's a couple thousand dollars, but you know what you know what fixes a lot of things? A, 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 t- a secure TV contract and a secure conference. Well, that, but also consecutive winning seasons, double-digit wins in a season. Those things matter for college football and for universities. And so, if they can continue to have seasons like they did this year, they will make up that budget deficit in shorter than they would if they were a 500 football team. I don't know if you They also probably wouldn't be stabbing many footballs if they were sub 500. Yep. So yep. that's, that's a good okay. point. I guess that's fair, but still I will stand on my, I will stand on my take. Not a good look when you're stabbing footballs on national television, when your university is getting roasted for being millions of dollars in debt. That's, that's all I'll that's, say. That's fair. I understand that. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and talk about this AutoZone Liberty Bowl. This the the timing of this bowl game is a little weird to me because what on the 27th you started having ranked matchups, maybe a little bit better matchups, um, and then there's just this seven and seven and five and ten and two matchup or nine and three matchup thrown in there, which fine. Memphis was a decent team this year they got the double digit wins because of the bowl game but I, I i guess i just don't necessarily understand throwing in a random unranked bowl game in the middle of ranked bowl season because to me like the first week is very much unranked teams and then the second week week second week and a half is like ranked teams better teams better uh, bowl games yeah better bowl games yep but despite all that memphis pulls out a 10-point victory, 36-26 to 26 over Iowa State in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Um, Iowa State made a push. I'm not going to lie. They were down they were down 13-36 to 36 midway through the, through the third quarter. Um, they made a push. They scored 10 points. Um, they, they couldn't make it all the way up. But a great game for Memphis. Let's see here. Rocco Beck did not – they – through the air, they did not have a good – or they did not have a bad day. But I mean, he threw for almost 450 yards, but when your net rushing is literally zero yards, you're going to have issues. And I I was watching this game, but I was at a restaurant, so I wasn't able to like hear what was going on, and I don't know what the announcer said about uh, the lack of a rushing game from Iowa State. But Abu Sama against Kansas State, what, he had like 250 yards rushing, he carried the ball more times than he had rushing yards. Like that, that literally makes no sense. I mean, I think you just have to give credit to Memphis for, for playing a really good game. And I think it's kind of very similar in that 
it's not that Iowa State. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pin on the fact that one team wanted to be here and one team didn't, but um, they kind of fell into the trap of playing in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee against the Memphis Tigers. <laughs> so, I mean, it's literally a home game for them. And, I mean, it's, uh, again, this is, I think, by far, in my opinion, the most disappointing loss uh, for the Big 12 during this bowl season. Um, yeah, Memphis, you know, they that win got them to 10 wins, but they're playing in the American Conference. And I just, I, it just, you know, it do, it doesn't do it for me. I, I Iowa State should there should be no no excuses. You know, Kansas went against a group of five team, took care of business. You know, put up almost 50 points on them. Um, Iowa State should have done the same. And and so this this is disappointing to me, especially when you know for 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 almost all of of, of Matt Campbell's tenure at Iowa State, they've been known for their defense, and Memphis just cooked them. I mean, throws for you know 364 yards, four touchdowns. And then they run for 5.2 yards a carry. It's, yeah, um, disappointing for Iowa State. Absolutely. Tough way to end the year. Um, what I do have to say was interesting to me is that Jaden Higgins had almost half of Iowa State's receiving yards. Rocco Beck threw for almost 450, and Jaden Higgins had 214 yards, which is absolutely insane. All right, all right. Let's let's talk about the. You said that the AutoZone Liberty Bowl was the most disappointing. I would argue that the CFP semifinal between Washington and Texas was the most disappointing for me. Maybe not for you, but I really thought that Texas was gonna win this game by close to ten points. That's how confident I was in their defense, in their pass rush, in their passing game, in their running game. And, yeah, Texas was able to pull it close at the end. But Washington, I felt like, handled this game significantly significantly from uh, the beginning to the end of the game. Yeah, they um, – the only reason I said Iowa State was more disappointing is just because I'm, I'm my, my brain is already not really – I'm like, if Texas would have won the championship, like yeah, the Big Twelve is going to get the money for it, which is great. You know that 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 would have been nice, but the public will not give the Big Twelve credit for that. So I am not going to take credit for Texas losing. Just that's that's <laughs> just my opinion. Um, so Washington did a really good job just on offense. I mean, you can't really say enough about Michael Penix and 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 that offense and um, that dude was just. I mean. He was dropping it in the breadbasket. I mean, from from 30, 40, 50 plus yards down the field, just dropping it in the breadbasket. I'm not really sure if he missed, you know, a throw. Um, it didn't feel like he did, at least. So, uh, I, I mean, the credit has to be given to Washington. Um, Texas, kind of like we predicted, Tanner. I mean, they did a good job stopping Washington's run game. But their secondary, as as you alluded to the last time we recorded, um, is is if they had one, their weakness, and and Washington completely completely exposed them. Yep, one hundred percent. It was uh, surprising. Also, I do have to say, though, in the in the third and fourth quarter, when Washington had a sizable lead, they were really 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 milking the clock. They they were essentially snapping the ball with one two three seconds left in the shot, not in the shot clock, in the in the play clock. Um, so that kind of made the game slow down and gave a lot of possession time 
to Washington. I mean, they they had the ball for over 36 minutes, which is kind of insane. It's very much possession game once they got ahead. So it'll be interesting to see what they do against Mission Michigan in the national championship game. But yeah, it was really this game was more about uh Washington and what they were able to do rather than Texas's lack of offense because I really felt like Texas didn't play a bad game, but Washington just played better. Yeah, I, I think um it was incredible that they were able to cut it to um, not only cut it to a six-point game, but then get the ball down the field and really have a position, be in a position to to tie the game and then probably you know probably win it with the extra point. Um, but I was, you know, I, I was. It's just it's funny. Well, it's not funny, but it's like the irony of the fact that you basically got an extra timeout because one of the opposing team's players got hurt. And then literally like that being the reason why you had a chance to win the game would have, would have been funny. And then I think the other thing that's hilarious that I have to mention is the rest, you know, given this, this was a hundred percent the right call, but like putting a second, like the clock, you know, on the bottom line on the TV screen, like goes to zero, which I'm assuming means the clock in the stadium went to zero and, you know, teams are kind of like, uh, you know, pause for a second. I don't think the game's over. They add a second back to the clock. So reminiscent of the Texas Nebraska Big 12 championship game in 2009 with Colt McCoy and Adamic Sue and and all of those players, um, which I know is is very it's, it's a very scarring memory for Nebraska fans. Um, and, and, you know, one that Texas fans, you know, I mean, shoot, that was the last uh conference title they won until this until you know a couple weeks ago so um disappointing you know for texas to to end the year like this but i think they've got more than enough reason to be confident going forward i think you know there's been a lot of talk of who's more sec ready texas or ou and i've seen you know ou fans get absolutely like just so offended and and you know tweeting at people who disagree but it's absolutely Texas, and and no one can change my mind. I mean, they they have the more complete team, um, they have the better you know recruiting, they have the better coach. I'll be honest, they have the better coach, um, and and they've got the better quarterback, and and I think they'll go into the SEC next year. And I don't have their uh, schedule uh, memorized off the top of my head. I don't have their opponents, but I think they'll have success. And with the 12 team playoff. Um, even if they're not, you know, winning an SEC championship next year, I, I, I think they'll be, you know, if they're if they're in that 10 and two range, I, I think they'll be in uh, in the playoff. And um, it, it's a good team. It's going to be so, so weird to see Texas and OU competing in the SEC. Um, I, I, I still don't like it um, just from, a, a, you know, a, a, I, I like the old big trouble to sit, stick together, even going back, you know, 15 years ago. But um I think Texas will have a lot of success. I agree with you. I think that Texas is by far the more SEC ready team. Definitely, definitely even just like the last half of the season, Texas was trending up and OU was trending in a downward direction. So it'll definitely be interesting to see um, how they perform in the SEC. But we never, I never have to talk about either of them ever again in football terms. Um, but yeah, Greg, I got to ask you, what did you think about that final play in the Michigan-Alabama game? 
honestly, it was uh, it was a little surprising to me um, that that it was a called run play. Um, I mean, I can't think of the last time I've seen you know a game on the line, a two point conversion, even like that, where it's just been a designed run play um, that doesn't have. I mean, it was a quarterback draw. Um, I think that everyone in the stadium knew that Michigan was going to blitz. They had been getting, they had had a ton of success all game uh, blitzing. I mean, they didn't, weren't even all out blitz. They were blitzing five, um, and and they probably got they probably sacked Milro like five or six times that game. And so to run a QB draw was peculiar. I would have much rather seen them get him out of the pocket and let him like make the decision, throw it or run it. Um, but the QB draw was an interesting choice. I will say I, I watched the replay um, at a different angle. Uh, and if he had just kind of waited a half second longer, um, the uh, I believe it was their left tackle that had sealed the edge and the linebacker jumped inside. If he had waited a half second longer and just, just one, you know, even if it was a slow motion jump cut to the outside, he would have gotten into the end zone. So, um, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, but uh, there, there, there was a lane for him to get in. It was, it was small. It would have been tough for him to see it. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of that call. You know, I, if, if you've got a dual threat quarterback, don't, don't limit him to one or the other. Let him make the decision. And if it's, if it doesn't work out, you know, it, it, it doesn't work out. Yep. Yep. I agree with you there. I, I was kind of wondering if it was more so that it was a kind of an RPO in that he could, cause it, to, what it, to, to me, what it looked like was, it was going to be an R running back swing screen. So the running back motioned out to the left and he could have thrown the ball to the running back and had the wide receivers out there blocking. But to me, what, what looked like it happened was that was the plan. And then Jalen Mil- Milrow got a low snap, and so that that didn't allow him to actually throw the ball out there, and he just decided to run for it. But I'm not sure. You are probably right. I, did did that come out? Was it? A, did they well, say? I have, it was a, I have no idea. I just I, I'll be honest. The only replay I saw of it was of the it was an angle showing like his his back and then showing mm. the the line of scrimmage, and so I was not paying attention to whether or not he was like looking to throw it like if my memory serves me right I don't remember him even glancing out to the other side but I, I could be totally wrong and maybe he did have that option but even if he did uh, wouldn't have been a huge fan of a screen and the I mean, I mean there was like five or six Michigan defenders within the line yeah. of scrimmage like I they, they didn't have numbers I didn't they really I, they really they were in an empty set and you've got – I mean, you're just outnumbered. It's it's not going to work most of the times. Yeah, I, I just didn't – generally, if if he had either option, I didn't love the play call anyways. Um, so, tough loss for Alabama. But I'm excited about – I guess I'm kind of excited about the uh, the championship game. I don't know about you. But, I mean, I'll be uh, cheering for Washington. Same. Um, I don't want Michigan to win. I, I don't feel their season has been uh, – I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and deny that they're they're not a really good team. But I, I just I just all the crap that's happened with them this year. I think I think Harbaugh got off easy. I think this is a. Um, I mean, you just have so many factors. It's, it's just such a mysterious like 
will anyone ever figure out what actually happened with Connor Stallions and, and Jim Harbaugh and how much of a, of a hand he had in all of it? I just, I, I don't know. And um, it, it, this would be just such a tainted national championship, in my opinion, even though Michigan hasn't gotten one in years. I just, I'd rather Washington win it. It would be, uh, it would be pretty incredible too. I saw something out there that was, Talking about how this this championship matchup is good for the sport in the sense that these two teams, their composite recruiting rankings are both they both fall outside the top ten. I think Michigan was in like the twelve, I think they were like twelve or thirteen, and then Washington was actually like twenty-two or twenty-three. Um, so just kind of giving hope to um, I mean, even a big twelve team, you know, that's recruiting right outside that top twenty range. Um, that if if the pieces fall into place. Um, think of, think of Max Duggan and TCU team last year, you know, assuming they don't run into, you know, basically a team full of NFL starters in Georgia in the championship, um, uh, maybe has a chance. Um, it gives me hope for the sport. It gives me hope that an Oklahoma state team in the right circumstance could make a run, make a push at a playoff, uh, uh, even a playoff win for that matter. Not just a, it'll get a lot harder to win the playoff if, if, you know, you're having to win three or four games to get there, but, um, or to win it, but. Um, I, I, I like the matchup. Okay. I'm not like overly thrilled for it, but I also, I don't know about you. I mean, TCU last year was cool, but when's the last time you've been overly thrilled for a national championship matchup? I mean, like, did the, like Alabama and Georgia is like, like, that's kind of like your, your, you know, it's a good matchup. You're seeing a lot of NFL dudes, but it's like if you're if you're talking about college football and the, and the two teams on the sidelines, it's like I don't really care. These two teams are always in it. Yeah, yeah. To me, the Alabama Georgia thing was was very similar to the Warriors Cavs in the NBA. Those couple of years that they played, you could just pen, like, why did we play the entire season? Like, just just put these two teams in the finals. Um, but I'm 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 pretty excited. I think that it is going to be. A good game. Where are they what? playing it? What what bowl game is the is the title um, game? I am not sure, but I do know that. Um, let's see here. I do know that you have the number one offense versus the number one defense in the country playing against each other. So that um, that is going to be exciting. Um, oh, it's, it's in Houston. Houston. All right. I don't know if it's a specific – I don't think the championship game is a specific bowl game. I think it's just the CFP mm. national championship game. That makes sense. Um, but, yeah, this is the this is the last year of the four-team playoff. I'm excited for the 12-team playoff. It's going to be – it's going to be – I think it's going to be way better for the sport than the current four-team playoff is. But Last question for you, and we can get out of here. How do you feel about the automatic bid for the Group of Five team, given what happened to Liberty um, getting smacked by Oregon? I don't love it, but I think you have to have it. And I don't mean this in a in a negative way or uh, a rude or prideful way of being a fan of a Power Five conference, but I think it kind of like it's going to sound bad, but I think it kind of like puts them in their place because <laughs> you can throw the, you can throw the best team in there, but the top 10 teams in the country, all of them will destroy the best power five team or group of five team. Excuse me. 
Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I was, I was kind of thinking about it, and I'm like, yeah, one every four years, you'll get a really good group of five team in there, like the Cincinnati team from a couple of years ago. Um, like they held their own for the most part against Michigan. I think I think if you put them in a playoff against, you know, not one of the top four, if you if you put them against, you know, a number 12, you know, whatever group of five team against, uh, a, you know, a number five, whatever. I, th- I think they hold their own. But uh, most years, uh, more commonly, I think you'll see a Liberty situation. I think the one group of five team in recent memory that would have done some major damage is that Boise State team that beat OU in the Fiesta Bowl? I forget what year it was. That was, that was like uh, 2007, I think. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, to me, I think you got to give Cincinnati some credit when they were in the American. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. I just I can't really recall any other group of five team being. Oh man! Oh UCF, I guess when UCF, they were they they had that undefeated season. I forget. Well, to me, I'm like, oh UCF, Big Twelve now. I'm I'm it's I'm, it's ingrained yeah. in my brain. I'm trying, uh, but they were they were a group of five team back then. So um, Houston also with uh, Case Keenum, I think had a couple of really good years. Um, but yeah, the um, uh, the the best group of five teams got swept up by the Big Twelve. So. Um, now it's kind of, and then you have SMU, who you can make an argument for in the future, but they're, but going, they're, to, they're in the going ACC. ACC. Yep. So I mean, they've got the money for it and the ta- and the recruiting talent for it, but now they're they're in a Power Five conference too. So, uh, oh, I guess Tulane last year, Tulane would have been a good, um, would w- would have been interesting um, with that I feel team. Like they, have, they beat I feel USC like they won one game in the play in a 12 team playoff. So I don't know. Now, now I may be talking myself out of this. Maybe Liberty is just kind of like um, recency bias, but um, could be interesting. I don't. I don't know. I kind of was like, I kind of felt that you know, take the automatic bid for the group of five out of it, especially now that the group of five has been depleted a little bit with, you know, five of its teams being now power five teams. But hey, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yep. yep. All right, Greg, do you have anything else that you want to say to the good listeners? Man, you know, like I said earlier, it's been it's been a lot of fun and I appreciate anyone that's listened to uh, me ramble about about sports. I don't, um, you know, obviously love love talking about big troll sports and, and in general. And so um, it's funny, my, my wife will probably have to hear me ramble on about some of this stuff now that I don't have this this outlet. <laughs> so um, say prayers for her. But uh, no, it's 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 been a lot of fun. And um, like, like I said earlier, I, I definitely, you know, uh, I definitely will, uh, you know, when 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 Tanner and I uh, de- deem it the right time, we'll would love to to come back and, and let you guys listen to more of my my dumb takes and uh, opinions you, you don't have to agree with. So uh, but it, it's been fun. It's been, hopefully my Oklahoma State bias hasn't shown too much, but. I know I've, I've let it I've let it go a little bit these last couple of weeks with OSU being, uh, you know, as as in the hunt as good as they were. So um, I'm going to still cheer for the Big 12, though. But OSU, that's where my heart is. Um, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens uh, next year. I'm already already looking the next football season. Basketball uh, isn't looking too hot. So uh, we'll <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll look forward to hearing your opinions on that, Tanner. All right. All right. Well, Greg, it's been an honor. Thank you, brother. Um, everybody, thank you for listening to this podcast. If you wouldn't mind, 
uh, following us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, now known as X, at around the underscore 12. And then you can follow us on Facebook at around the 12 podcast. We thank you so much for listening. We hope you guys had a great, uh, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, as obviously we were off last week. But glad to be back and super excited to start talking basketball with you guys. All right, everybody. We thank you. We love you. Goodbye.